Welcome everyone this morning. We're glad that you're here. As has been already mentioned, good to see some that have been away and have been sick, able to be back with us. We're just glad that, that uh, with all the things we're going through these days, that we've all done as well as we have. And we're thankful for that and answered prayers. I want to talk this morning about denominationalism, whether it is of God or whether it's of man. And one of the reasons is, of course, we've got some uh, newer members here, and we instruct not only them, but we instruct the body here because we've seen, even within the body of Christ, those that have decided to change the way that they think God has um, revealed his will to, to us all. Denominationalism is defined as the tendency to separate into religious denominations or large groups of congregations, united under a common faith and name, organized under a single administrative and legal hierarchy, a synonym for division that consists of several hundred discordant religious sects having no unity in name, organization, doctrine, or practice. I might go on to quote from the Dictionary of American History. Crucial to the notion of denominationalism, here was the idea that several churches, despite this unity, were part of the true church. The churches in the United States would not attempt to set themselves up as the only church with legitimacy as the Church of England had. Instead, they agreed to recognize each other as sharing a common mission, even if holding to different creeds or forms of worship. The historian R. Lawrence Moore exemplified this change, changed outlook and argued, as did 19th century observers of American religion, that division and the creation of new religions, not interdenominational cooperation, is the religious mainstream in the United States, precisely because of the nation's tradition of religious freedom and faith's capacity to give identity to people living in society without clear structure and delineated social roles. As Moore writes, the American religious system may be said to be working only when it is creating cracks within denominations, when it is pro producing novelty, when it is fueling antagonisms. In other words, one church is as good as another and division is the goal of denominations. The term denomination simply means a dividing or separating into different sects, if you want to say. Denominationalism is found, founded on division. When we read the Bible, we find that the scriptures do not endorse the religious diversity of division that is found among the denominations. Even in the Old Testament, David said, Psalm 133 and verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And if unity is good and pleasant, then division must be evil and unpleasant. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he specifically prayed not that his followers would embrace some kind of tolerance for religious diversity, but instead a call to unity. Jesus prayed to his Father in John 17 and 20 and 21. 
I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they must all be, be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The apostle Paul called for unity in Romans 12 and verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Again, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2 and verse 2. And fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Also in Philippians 3 and verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. When we respect God's word as the ultimate authority, agreement on the basis of its teaching and doctrine is easy. When we all read the same word and it says the same thing and we agree on those basic things, doctrine is easy, but it will never be possible to, to unite the doctrines and commandments of men. Because men's ideas keep changing and are imperfect. We see that so much in the world today. Remember what it was like almost two years ago when they, when they started talking about the coronavirus. How many times have the rules changed? The rules have changed many times because man is imperfect. He doesn't know everything. God is all-knowing. God is supreme in what he, the laws that he has given to mankind. So... We cannot rely on man's ideas or his philosophies because they are imperfect. Creeds, confessions of faith, church manuals are a continual problem to the unity of the religious community. Jesus intentionally made unity among his followers a priority. The only way that a person can really come to believe and obey Jesus is to hear the truth of the gospel of Christ, not man's Ideas. Notice John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is the truth. When a man's ideas contradict the truth, then the, the man's ideas are wrong. Notice also Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the greatest barrier to unity is the disunity of of denominationalism that prevails in the religious world today. Denominations freely admit that their organizations are human in origin and offer nothing that is essential to salvation. They, however, insist on maintaining those. They would tell you to select the church of your choice. How many times have you heard that statement? Not what is the church that you can read about in the, in the scriptures, in the Bible that God and Jesus taught about, that is, that is true in the scriptural pattern that we use today. Such innovations as false doctrine that are, that are taught is that baptism is not essential for salvation, that instrumental music in the worship service is, makes us all feel better, that the Lord's Supper can be divided up into multiple cups and multiple loaves, that takes away that unity, that speaking in tongues is, is uh, the way that, that we should worship today, that fellowship that all the religious community today 
whatever it may be and wherever it is, is in fellowship with each other. That entertainment today is more important than worship. So division and denominationalism is the result of false teaching. Notice 2 Peter 2 and verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bringing on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. If denominationalism is a, designation, is a, a designated division as, and results from false teaching, then unscriptural, then it is unscriptural and not of God. Denominationalism is sin. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 10 through 13, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that you all be, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul says here in verse 10, he says, I plead with you, brethren. I plead with you that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you are perfectly, be perfectly joined together in the same, same mind and in the same judgment. That is unity. That is not diversity. That is not a dividing. That we all speak the same thing. There's no division among us. <clears throat> In this section of the scripture, carefully note that God said that there be no division among you. And at times, the denominational world will tell you, uh, try to tell you and justify itself by saying, well, we all agree on the essentials that there is a God, that we ought to obey him, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he died for our sins. And a lot of times, that's where it ends. That's where the, the, the agreeing ends. That we shouldn't go out and kill, we shouldn't cheat, we shouldn't lie, and all those kinds of things. First of all, God never gave us a small list that we can agree on, and then a large, a large uh, uh, list of non-essentials on which we can be divided. God didn't plan it that way. Paul goes on to say, Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? If God condemned the dividing because of within the apostles, and, and some were saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul, or I'm a follower of Cephas. If God condemned that, wouldn't he also, wouldn't he even more condemn putting men's names on religious organizations Today, following men that are not inspired. Continuing on, Paul was crucified for you, 
Was Paul crucified for you, excuse me, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The only person that the believer can follow and adopt their name as a religious designation is the one who died for us and into whose name we have been baptized, and that is Jesus Christ. Why do people today then call themselves by other names, even men's names? One thing that is clear in these verses is that if a man is a baptized believer, then I should only wear the name Christian. Acts 11 and verse 26, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So if we try to put any other name on this building out here where we meet and, and, and we call it by a man's name or we call it by any other name than a biblical name, the Church of Christ, and we as brothers and sisters are Christians, it's wrong. We can't put names on God's organization, men's names on God's organization. We can't do that. Well, let's notice a little bit about the church and prophecy. Even in the Old Testament, we get a look at the church. The, uh, the oneness of the body is stressed. Ezekiel wrote, Of the time when the Lord's people would be one nation, Ezekiel 37 and 22, and under one shepherd, uh, chapter 34 and verse 23, Daniel predicted... The arrival of the Lord's kingdom, Daniel 2 and verse 44. Also, when Jesus was on the earth, he spoke of a time when his people would be one flock in John 10 and verse 16. Paul, when he wrote to the Christians at Ephesus, declared that there is one body, Ephesians 4 and verse 4, that we're going to notice a little bit more about in just a moment. And other passages note that this one body is the church, Ephesians 1 and verse 22 and 23, and Colossians 1, verses 18 through 24. If denominationalism is division, then the lack of division is unity. Ephesians 4, and verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Well, some have argued that this is the only list of, of uh, doctrinal uh, issues that we can, we, if we just agree on these things, then we're all unified. If we can just agree on that. But note that the denominational doesn't even agree on these seven principles. This oneness, if you want to say, these one, seven ones that are mentioned here, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, and one faith, one baptism, and one God. Even the denominational world doesn't believe that. When you talk about uh, is a member of your denominational, uh, uh, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. Many denominations uh, uh, don't agree on the, the talk of one baptism here. 
They don't believe that baptism is essential for salvation, as taught in Acts 2 and 38 and 1 Peter 3 and 21. The one body is the church, which is the body that Jesus will save, Ephesians 5 and 23, and the body that Jesus purchased with his blood, Acts 20 and verse 28. But if you were to go and ask someone in a denominational denomination a question, is membership in your denomination necessary for salvation? Most denominational leaders and members would say no. They would say you can choose the church of your choice and you'll be saved. So an answer like that admits that denominational bodies are not part of the body mentioned here in Ephesians 4. Membership in the one body is essential for salvation, 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. The like figure will enter even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The church that Jesus established is commanded to stress the whole counsel of God and not just certain aspects of it, Acts 20 and verse 27. God didn't just set up an arrangement where, where one religious body stresses one aspect of his will while others uh, stress something else or other things. That's not the way God planned it. That's not the way God wants it. We are to be like-minded, of one accord, speaking the same thing, be of the same mind. Denominations kind of celebrate their uniqueness and their diversity. Jesus actually condemns uh, human traditions because it gets away from obeying God. They pride themselves and have on all kinds of um, different programs within their church, they call it. One that is, one that is pushed towards the young people and ones that are pushed towards the older folks and they separate even the services, one for more traditional and one for more con conventional uh, and one for more uh, contemporary and all these different kinds of things. There are even now cowboy churches and if you want to be go to a cowboy church, you can go to cowboy church and feel good about that. So the church is of the same mind and of the same actions, of one accord, doing the same things. Here are their arguments that are used to justify denominationalism. Some would say, well, one church is as good as another, and God accepts and approves of all denominations. Well, let's read Acts 4 and verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> Peter, standing before the council, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you, here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That tells me, if I try to put 
a name on that sign out there in front of the building this morning because one preacher or one man or some person that we think is an apostle or whatever it is, if we put his name out there because of what he said, it's being condemned right here in the scripture. There is no other name given among men for why we must be saved. That being Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. He is the builder of the church. <clears throat> well, another, another argument may be the different churches are just different routes to heaven and we're all going to the same place. We're all just getting there in different ways. How many times have we heard that? Well, notice what John says in John 14 and verses 5 through 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where, where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It isn't going to happen any other way. <clears throat> I've said this before. But I believe Jesus was almost being so emphatic here that how dare you try to think that there is any other way to get to heaven other than through me. I'm the one that put up with all the abuse and the spitting on and the beatings and went to the cross and was crucified for you. And no one is going to get to heaven except through me. There's no other way. Well, how do we come to the Father through Christ? In Galatians 3, in verses 26 and 27, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So when we're baptized, we come to the Father through Christ. Next argument may be, well, attend the church of your choice, as we said. The denominational world <clears throat> actually exists to allow a person to shop for a church. I was talking with Isaac here a few weeks ago, and he mentioned earlier on in his, in his life how he was going around from, from church building to church building and organization to organization to try to find a church. And when he finally came to the church of Christ, he realized that this is the true church. The church that Jesus built. The only true church that we can read about in the gospel. Because all the other, uh, the other religious organizations or so-called churches out there have certain things that they put their emphasis on and it's not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So some denominational uh, leaders praise God for the different churches where folks may find <clears throat> a different doctrine or a practice that fits their life. You know, there are churches you can go to and you can just, if you want to go Fishing on a Sunday? Well, you can go fishing on a Sunday. And you can kind of make up for it here or there or be on a committee or whatever it may be. But God commands his people, his children, on Sunday, on the first day of the week, to worship him in spirit and in truth and to remember the death, 
burial, and resurrection of his son. So, we don't plan things on Sunday like others may do, but I can go out and find a church that I can feel good about that, you see. Or I can do other things and, and uh, feel good about that if I just shop around long enough to find that religious organization. Of course, this is not something that's good and scriptural and unifying. In 2 Timothy 4 and verses 2 through 4, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So yeah, we see that happening today. And there are a lot of folks going around with itching ears and you scratch them just like you do a dog and they'll stand there all day and let you scratch them. Sadly, we live in a time when religious groups exist that reject all sorts of biblical teachings, but they give a false comfort to people that are that they are calling Christians. Too many think of the church as a democracy in which people decide what is acceptable rather than recognizing that Christ's church is a kingdom. He is the king and he is the lawgiver. Also they say, well each denomination composes a segment of the true church or the one body and each denomination is a part of the whole. Of course, the problem with this view is that, according to the Bible, individual Christians, members of the body of Christ, compose the one body, not the whole religious world. Romans 12 and verse, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we, talking about all of us, have many members in one body. All of us are members of that one body. But, we all, but all the members do not have the same function. You don't have the same function as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You don't have that. Some of us have certain functions and certain things that we take on within the, within the church and others maybe are afraid or they don't have the ability or whatever it may be, but we all have a purpose and we all have a part, right? So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. All of us together make up that one body. Just like this hand is part of this body. It's not this hand, but it's part of this body. This finger is not this finger, but it's part of this body. And we all work together in unity as God designed it. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So this claim is forced to admit that the whole religious bodies are baptized then. And we know that's not the case. 
1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. The only way to get into one body is to be baptized. That's the only way. It says it right here in Scripture. They also try to argue that the branches talked about in John 15 are the various denominations, but such a claim does not fit the actual wording in the context. Notice, abide in me, <clears throat> and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So shall ye be my disciples. Jesus said, if a man, and Jesus did not say, Jesus did not say, abide in a branch. He didn't say that. So that's a branch over there. You just go abide in that branch over there, and you go abide in this branch over here. He said, if a man, instead he said, abide not in me. He said that ye are branches and abide in me and you will be my disciples. So when we abide in Christ, we all are members of that body and we are all unified. You, you cannot, we cannot remain faithful to Christ while practicing unscriptural doctrine. Notice in Matthew 15 verse 9, and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So when these man-made organizations and these denominations that are brought on by men are, are, are pushed and we find that their worship is in vain to God. Well, can we or should we fellowship denominations or can we worship with them? I think this is probably the big question, the big elephant in the room if you want to say. Can we just decide on some Sunday morning that we want to go over here to some mega church and, and, and worship there and it be acceptable in God's eyes? Or can we just pick one that, that fits the time that we want to worship or it fits our need or fits what we want? Can we worship there and be in fellowship with them there at that place? Well, what is fellowship? It's translated from the Greek word koinonia. I cannot pronounce that word, excuse me. Koinonia, yeah, that's it. Which is defined as association, communion, joint participation, according to Thayer. Nelson's Bible Dictionary says in the New Testament, fellowship has a direct spiritual meaning, a distinctly, excuse me, spiritual meaning. It is a joint participation with other Christians in activities related to being a Christian. What do, what, do we, what do we do together? We worship together. We worship according to spirit and truth. Notice that 1 John 
1 of verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if someone is not walking in the light, are we in fellowship with them? Notice the illustration. When you are in fellowship with God, and I am in fellowship with God, then you and I are in fellowship with each other. That's the simplest way that we can illustrate it. So how is a person in fellowship with God? They obey God, and they do His will and His commandments. They worship Him in spirit and in truth the way that God commanded them to worship Him. And when we find a church like that, that's doing things according to Bible pattern, yes, then we can fellowship them. We can have fellowship with them because we have all things in common. We are of one mind. We are of one body. We all have one hope because of the one God. So in conclusion, there is a way that seems right to men, but its end is the way of death. Certainly if we look at denominationalism today, worshiping in error, it's, it's, it's wrong. It's not according to Bible pattern, and we can't, we can't do that. We can't be a partaker of that. We can't be a part of that. We have to worship God the way that he designed. The lesson is yours this morning. I hope that something has been said that will benefit us in some way. We never know the minds of those that are present. There may be someone here this morning that is not a child of God. And hearing the word, won't you repent of it? Won't you repent of your life? Won't you then make the confession of your faith that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins and be added to the church, the body of Christ? If you've taken those steps but for some reason you've turned away and done things that you feel requires a public confession, of your faults. Won't you come with a repenting heart and confess your faults and we'll pray with you and for you. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.